you know, humans need vices, like coping mechanisms are very human and you have to choose the vices that are the least harmful, but you can't get rid of like all things, you know, that are coping mechanisms. Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. So today in this episode, before we begin, I want to talk to you all about a a topic that has come up over and over and over with the women I coach, and it's come up a bunch this week, so I want to speak to it, and it's all about your thyroid. So, so often, women are coming to me wanting to lose weight. They are having trouble with their energy. They're having so low energy and just wish they had more, and they're like, where's my energy gone? And a lot of this is because of a underactive thyroid or having basically approaching Hashimoto's or an autoimmune thyroid condition. And both of these are very, very influenced by the foods that you're eating and by your stress levels. And so often it's so frustrating because so many of them go into the doctor, this is what happened to me, and are told you're fine. Oh, your blood work looks fine. You're fine. In reality, that is not the case. The only number on a general lab panel for for thyroid is the TSH number. That's your thyroid stimulating hormone. And so often that range is huge. And unless you're way out of range then you don't get flagged. And that number, that TSH number does not tell you the whole picture. And so I've had clients run thyroid panels, full thyroid panels, right when we start working together so that we can ensure what's going on. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that their thyroid antibodies are through the roof. They are approaching Hashimoto's. Some of them have Hashimoto's. They don't even know it. And a lot of it's because of the foods that they're eating. And so we're able through lifestyle and diet to get those antibodies down, to get their thyroid numbers optimal. And it's so empowering. They feel so much better. They have so much more energy. They lose weight. And it's so unfortunate that that is not known. And that so often you go to a doctor and they never ask you about your your stress, your life, your what you're eating. Like that's not even asked. It's like, here's some Synthroid. If you even get flagged for a thyroid issue, a lot of times it's just completely missed. And then if it is flagged, it's like, okay, here's some, some Synthroid, hope this helps. And so often it is, you might need some support with your T4 and T3 and that's okay. Medication can help, but it's not the full picture and we need to support. We need to get the inflammation down in the body. We need to be eating things that are, that are supporting our body and supporting our immune function and not having this massive autoimmune reaction in the body happening because that's just going to destroy your energy, destroy your ability to lose weight, to metabolize. And so I just invite you to take your power back to you guys. You can get your own tests run. If you want to go to the doctor and get blood work because it's covered by insurance, I totally get that. You can request that they do a full thyroid panel. So testing T3, T4, reverse T3, testing your TSH, testing your thyroglobulin antibodies and your thyroid peroxidase antibodies, getting a full picture so you know what's going on. And you can also get them yourself. You don't have to go to the doctor. This is what I do. I go to directlabs.com and I order my own thyroid panels. And if you need help interpreting those, reach out. This is what I do with my clients. And you can also, there's a bunch of really great resources online. There's a a website called stopthethyroidmadness.org. And the woman who created it was in the same boat. She was having so many issues. And, and so she did her own research She and she took her power back and she reclaimed her health through a lot of these functional practices and, and teaches how to interpret, interpret your blood work if you want to learn how to do that yourself. And it's just super, it's a really amazing resource. So you can check that out too. Rec Labs is really easy. You just order the blood work and then you go to a Quest Labs, which is they have them everywhere and they'll run the blood work for you. 
and you get the results in like 24 to 48 hours. It's amazing. And so to do that, to know what's going on in your body and, and not accept low energy and low metabolism and poor digestion and symptoms that you're having as that you're making them up or that it's just old age. Like, no, no, that's your body telling you something. So tune in, get help if you need it. This is what I do as a coach is not only help you figure out what's going on, but help you heal. And I know I myself couldn't have done it alone. So find somebody. If it's not me, just find somebody that can guide you, that can help you so that you're not wasting time spinning your wheels, trying different diets, trying different things. Like have someone in your court that's helping you navigate and can help you if you're missing your blind spots. Because a lot of times we're so in our own head that we don't even see the answer that could be glaring us in the face. It can also be really difficult to navigate alone and to make habit change. Like that alone is not easy. So getting someone that can support you through that emotionally, that can help you show up consistently and can guide you the right steps in the right order to release the overwhelm. So if you're interested in working one-on-one with me, you can reach out, you can set up a free strategy session at, at calendly.com backslash mindful belly. The link is in the show notes. And side note, stress is a huge trigger too to your thyroid health, to your overall health. And so that's what we're going to be diving into a lot in this episode, which I'm really excited about is an interview I had with Courtney Peacock. Courtney is an Austin-based business performance coach. She specializes in helping people manage stress so that they can reach their full potential without burning out. Courtney is an expert in stress and anxiety management, coping mechanisms, overcoming addiction, sobriety. She herself went through a lot of mental health issues. She went through a phase of bulimia and extreme exercise and had a very difficult relationship with food. And so we dive deep into that. Courtney is so generous being so vulnerable in this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes to date. I think there's so much value in what she shares. We talk habit transformation, imposter syndrome, setting boundaries, the psychology of weight loss, disordered eating, body image, and so much more. So I'm so excited for you to listen, and I hope that you get a lot of value from this episode as much as I did. And if you want to connect with Courtney, you can connect with her on Instagram, Courtney Peacock underscore. All right. Let's go to the show. Hi, Courtney. So happy that you're here and that we're doing this. Happy too. I'm super excited. Yay. Well, I guess let's dive right in. Do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm Courtney Peacock, and I'm a business coach who specializes in performance coaching and stress management. So it's really kind of an interesting realm because it ends up being a lot of boundary setting and communication and structure in your business. So things that are seemingly kind of myths when you're learning how to run a business. And so I'm really passionate about it because it's really life-changing. Yes. I'm psyched to go into this, especially the boundary part, because I see that a lot with myself and with people I work with too. Um, But I guess, how'd you get into that? What made you want to be a business and performance coach? So I have this um, kind of history of things just sort of like falling into my lap. I know that sounds really weird, but <laughs> personal trainer, cause I was training friends for half marathons and I had people close to me be like, you're really good at this. Maybe you should think about doing it as a career. And so I became a trainer and then it became really apparent that my clients wanted help with like stress and anxiety management. So I started kind of like life coaching my personal training clients And then that evolved into life coaching. And then I just started having people approach me for business coaching. And so it just really naturally kind of 
happened, which has been really beautiful because it's my whole business evolution has been like, I don't want to say catering because it's always been things I'm super interested in, but it's just like been a natural, um, you know, kind of addressing what my market is coming to me for. So it's been really cool and um, definitely kept things interesting, but. Yes. Oh, this is awesome. And do you feel, how'd you get into the half marathon coaching? So you were, were you running them, I guess? Yeah. So I was running, started running them actually when I moved to Austin, I'd always dabbled in running. Like I liked, you know, running two, three miles. Um, but a friend and I, I can't even remember why we both moved to Austin recently. And we were like, let's run a half marathon just totally randomly. So we started training together and a bunch of our friends got on with us. So there were like five or six of us. And I just got hooked after that first one. Um, and it's a bummer this year because I couldn't do any races because of the pandemic, but it was really, um, shoot. Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. My internet just, <laughs> you will have to that. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, there were like six or seven of us running and training together. And, um, I just got hooked. Like after that first race, it's really so much about the community and like showing up and pushing yourself to a limit that you didn't didn't know possible and um also I was reflecting on this recently the whole metaphor of running for life you can kind of apply this to anything that's challenging that you do um but it's like I went from saying like oh no I'm not a runner when people would say like you're a runner I'd be like no no like you get really kind of uncomfortable and you're like I'm not a runner and then the more you do it that's when you're like oh yeah I am a runner and you embrace it and I just think that's such a beautiful metaphor for like so many things in life that you really don't become things until you do them. So anyway, um, and I was running them pretty regularly and then, yeah, just had people come to me and be like, Hey, I really want to run my marathon. Can you help me? So. Yes, that is awesome. And I want to touch back on what you just said about like the claiming the identity of a runner, but like, in almost like then by doing the action, like proving that identity to be true. Right. And then being able to like confidently adopt it and be like, oh yeah, I am a runner. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because I've used that many times in my life with imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. going through something and being like, well, I wasn't a runner and then I became a runner. So it's like, you have to push through that imposter syndrome and do it anyway, you know? And it's just, it's been like a wonderful source of, I guess, courage when I'm embarking on new endeavors in my life. Yes. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And how do you think it could apply to somebody that's like listening, going through weight loss struggles and they feel like they're not, they're not at their goal weight yet. They're not somebody who's like a healthy person. So they're like, that's kind of like a far-fetched belief system. I think it's so important to learn. I forget if this is like a quote from somebody, so hopefully I'm not going to butcher it, but, um, the philosophy, like you can't think your your way into a new way of acting you have to act your way into a new way of thinking and I just think that that's so powerful it really when I learned that a few years ago it just like changed everything in my life because it's not that you have to like imposter or fake it till you make it or like all of these other sayings that can be kind of cheesy but it's like you can't really expect yourself to believe that you can do these things you just like dive in and start acting the way that you want to become you know if you want to learn how to meditate like start doing it two minutes a day if you want to be a healthy person start 
you know, drinking more water and then you're going to like cut cravings and then you're going to be more mindful. So it's like these small steps I think are so crucial with health and really not being afraid to claim that like, no, I am going to be a healthy person and practice claiming that and being that. And then you'll start to believe it, you know? Yes. Courtney, thank you. I love this so much. And I think everyone needs to hear this. <laughs> um, and also I want to ask you, so like, I would, I have a very similar experience with you've gone through like personal co- personal training mm-hmm. and then that evolving into life coaching. So right. what, did, what did you notice in your clients that was missing that was they needed more than just like do this workout, eat this food and you'll be good? So as you know, as a health coach, it's just so there's so much like psychology involved with um, weight loss and body image and health. And um, I really just started to notice that many of my clients were doing all the things like they were eating from my knowledge very well. They were working out, you know, three, four times a week. They were going for walks. They were like being very active and they just could not lose any weight. And so I really dove into stress management with them. I had a couple clients, like one in particular, I think she lost like 30 pounds in 60 days or something crazy. Really like it was very healthy for her. It was like, she didn't change anything except for managing her stress and becoming aware of her stress. And that was like, my mind was blown. I was like, okay, this is like the missing piece for people is that almost like inner peace. And if you're not at peace with yourself and your body's not going to be cooperative, you know? Yeah. So that was definitely, I think like the main, um, instead of focusing too much on like the number on the scale and the five workouts a week and the calories or whatever, focusing so much more on like at all of those things from a place of kindness and self-compassion And once you have a healthy relationship with your weight loss or with the goals, then it's like, it's just so much easier for your body to, to kind of follow along with you, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. I definitely want to dive into this, but before we go into that, can, can we talk about how, I guess, how this affected you and your life, like past, like how you, I guess we're even able to coach these people on these kind of things. Cause I know you had a health journey yourself. Yeah. So It's really interesting, actually. I'll go into, um, I had very ordered eating when I was young and I didn't fully recover or heal until I started coaching people. So I'll kind of circle back to that um, in a minute, but it all kind of, I mean, (laughs) it's weird to say this, but in the nineties and two thousands, I feel like eating disorders were so common that unless you were like to be hospitalized, it just wasn't seen as a thing. Like it was so common. Um, and what really happened to me was I hit puberty super young. So I was like in a woman's body in eighth grade, ninth grade, and, um, you know, gaining all that weight when all your peers are like still kind of in their like childhood bodies was very bizarre. Like I was like a foot taller than all my guy friends and like towered over them. And I went through my first like heartache breakup and it was kind of an accident. Like I just stopped eating cause I was And I started getting a lot of attention because I dropped like quite a bit of weight. Um, I also grew up with influences in my life that put a lot of pressure to stay thin. Like it was almost like a core value in my household. Um, And so it just snowballed into this. um, 
I can't even remember how intentional I was about what I was eating or what I was not, but I, I know that I was not eating much at all. Cause I dropped below like 110 pounds, which is for my frame, very, very tiny. And, um, I just kind of like yo-yoed from there. So I remember a little bit better. Um, and then in college, same kind of thing, like 15 from being in the dorms and like partying too much and then getting that whiplash, gain a lot of weight. So then you just get obsessed with losing a lot of weight. And it was always around areas of my life where I felt like I was very out of control. So first time with a breakup, time with a really controlling boyfriend who like you know I, I felt like I didn't have any anything or any control so I used food and exercise as a way to like feel in control in my life um and then you know it it just evolved into substance abuse and I used substance abuse almost as a way to control I guess but I was out of control it's just really fascinating because it's like taught any coping mechanisms for stress and anxiety and um, so we, we like grab onto anything that can help us feel in, in control. And then it was later in my substance abuse when, uh, kind of started using drinking as a way to like justify not eating very much. So I was like drinking my calories and would go like sometimes days without eating a real meal. And, um, I kind of like had issues with bulimia um obviously it's a trigger warning in this um episode because i'm kind of just throwing a lot out there but it was almost this like purging of the drinking i was doing i would like eat a bunch of greasy food in the and then throw it all up as like a way to almost i felt like it was like undoing what i had done the night before it was like very rooted in like this self and guilt type of thing so again, back to the self-compassion, like I had very low self-worth. Um, and it wasn't until I really into sobriety mixed with coaching other people where I was like, I cannot coach on weight loss or health if I'm not like healed, you know, cause it was really apparent to me that although when I started personal training, I was like, you know, way better than I had been. Uh, but I was still doing things like fad diet way to like cover up my obsessions with um, controlling food. So I would go through phases of like obsessively doing keto or obsessively doing paleo or, you know what I mean? And not having like a healthy relationship with it. Um, and yeah, so luckily I, I like credit my clients in a way because I was able to take a step back and really see like how harmful this industry can be and how deep my core values lie in um, just having compassion, you know? Like that's the way I live my life for others, so why wouldn't I live it for myself? So that was really just a powerful journey in having your clients be your biggest, you know? Yes, oh, thank you so much, Courtney, for, for being vulnerable and sharing all that. Yeah, of course. So many people are gonna resonate and what do you think was the, so like you mentioned, like with your clients, what were they going through that really inspired you to, I guess, question your own mindset? So it was really when, um, I tried keto to kind of like try it to be able to talk about, and there's nothing wrong with any of these diets. If it works for you, like I'm a huge believer in biodiversity, so I'm not trying to knock it. Um, your mindset around it is truly what's important, but 
I tried keto so that I could like talk to my clients about it and teach them about it. And I realized how restrictive I was being with it. And I was having a hard time communicating that it would be a good idea because of like the self-awareness that was, <laughs> you know, putting me on blast kind of, of like, wow, Courtney, you're really taking this to like another level. Um, and that was like the main driver thing for me, kind of ditching all, um, I did like a total 180 and got really into intuitive eating and learning um, those principles. And I don't agree with all of them, just like I don't agree with any like one philosophy, but um, really embracing uh, the book Body Kindness. I don't know if you've read that, mm -hmm. but it um, was so powerful and completely changed my life as far as like just the way that I approach health and being really rooted in self-compassion again and self-respect and having like this totally positive experience with food and health instead of, um, you know, it being almost like a punishment or control mechanism. So that was really interesting because I started um, kind of combining all of the stuff that I've learned in my nutrition certifications and personal training with the like body kindness, more intuitive eating. And when you kind of like marry those two, I think it's a really beautiful um, approach because you're able to have people be very aware of their behaviors and wanting to improve and be better, but for the sake of their life, like it is your life, you know, and it's your longevity and it's the quality of your life. It's not how you look in a bikini necessarily. And it's like so crazy because when you start thinking that way, like all of your ideal body dreams like come true, at least in my experience. So it's, it's really fascinating. Yes. Oh, this is so good. And this is, I feel like we were very similar in like, the, and I think marrying the, the nutrition, like, cause there's gotta be a, a piece of like, what are you feeling in your body? What, how is it affecting you? You can't just right. like, so having that with the mindfulness of being kind to yourself. Right. Totally. And I love that you shared the, the value system growing up of it being like, like that being thin was almost like a, a value. Right. And I totally. had a similar experience. How did you shift your, like, what kind of thoughts were coming, like were coming up that you had to meet with kindness? So I actually had to get rid of my scale for a long time um thing that I did to like heal my relationship with focusing too much on the numbers and kind of learning again like how to feel in my own body because I had been battling my like healthy weight for so long that I didn't even know how it would feel you know <laughs> and a lot of the um I think, you know, I'm trying to think back, like so much of the way that I let go of the way that I was raised wanting to be thin all the time, almost like this bizarre radical honesty of just like facing things cellulite, like being like, and this is kind of what I did with substance abuse too, is like really getting curious about like, are these things on our body? Like if 95% of women have it, like, what is it? What's its purpose? Why are we all mad about it? getting really kind of like honest with what these things are and why the expectations exist and being like, this is ridiculous. So I was able to let go of a lot of things by like facing them full on and kind of accepting like, 
you know, the expectations that society has put on us to all believe that we have the same body is ridiculous. And like, yes, I do live in a level of body, but it's so, um, it's absurd when you really think about it, how different humans are and how we all have like totally the same expectation of what our body should look like. So I think just realizing that was huge for me. Um, and just coming back to grace, like constantly you're doing your best. You're doing what's best for you. You're doing what's going to help you feel better. And I just focused so much more on how I felt instead of how I looked. And I think that was like very healing. Like, do I have energy? Am I sleeping well? Is my mood stable? You know, and those things, such better metrics. Um, I've been doing previously. Thank you. I'm writing those down. I think it's so important for people it's like to, to release the scale number as the only like right. metric because it totally yeah beautiful and I guess for as far as like so from personal training and then into um I guess like they needed to be addressing the stress and managing stress and how much having peace within their body made such a difference on the, the outer body totally and, and then how did that if so then you said that got you into life coaching yeah and then into or sorry oh no you're what were you going to ask? I was going to say, and then that moving you into the entrepreneurial coaching or the business coaching. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, totally. So again, it was kind of this like natural evolution of, I had a few people approach me. Um, so a lot of my, con- yeah, I want to dive in a little bit more of what you said too, about kind of the sense of control. I see that a lot is yeah. either kind of both ways, either binge eating out of a sense of control like that's the only thing like the only source of pleasure like this is all I get to have decisions on and then the other end which is like the restricting right um so how did you reconcile that or what did you see for others to reconcile that so something that was really interesting for me was going through this at the same time of getting sober because there were so many similarities and like I mentioned before the approach that I took with sobriety was very science-based like I got really interested in what had happened to my brain and why I had become I don't know what level of addiction I had but um dependent is probably a better word Um, and there were so many similarities around the reasons why I was using these things or restricting these things. And, um, something that was so fascinating was just something my boyfriend said to me, he was like, you know, humans need vices, like coping mechanisms are very human and you have to choose the vices that are the least harmful, but you can't get rid of like all things, you know, that are coping mechanisms. It's possible was really kind of the eye-opening moment of like okay I'm probably going to always have these impulses to like control certain things in my life but what are the things that I can control that are not harming me so that was really monumental because it enabled me to focus less on um uh almost like a punishment or I can't think of the right word and focus more on like really embracing life and living and doing things out of, um, you know, more pleasure and like what makes me feel good about myself and seeing more control on those things. So I love to say like control your controllables. Like I'm a huge believer in controlling your morning routine and 
how you respond to things reacting and making sure you're drinking enough water every day and that you can, you know, make time to work out. Um, but just making sure that the things that you're using as coping mechanisms and control mechanisms are healthy. Yes. And I love that, that what he told you so much, it's almost like an, an allowance that like, we are human, like, like you can't just expect things to be perfect. And then that you can have the consciousness of being like, but I can choose something better. Right. Exactly. Yes. And as far as other tools for stress management for people. So um, like, what did you, what was helpful for your clients that were needing stress tools? People first started coming to me about anxiety management because I'm very open about my um, relationship with anxiety. And it's interesting because I have to kind of be careful, obviously, in this realm. I'm not um, a certified counselor or anything. So it was very much so people without any kind of like diagnosed anxiety disorders, more so just the generalized human experience <laughs> of anxiety and stress. Um, and the things that I think are most effective are again, like going back to that science of like, what is actually happening? Cause when I was anxious, I was never told even by like my psychiatrist, what was going on internally, like in my biology that was creating this response of anxiety or stress. So when I started learning that it was so easy for me to help people address things in their day-to-day -day life to help them feel more calm. Because when you realize that like, not having enough water can send your body into an alert system, like literally an alert state of um, like anxious panic, um, having not no, no fresh air or too bright of lighting or like a messy house or whatever these little things are that are in our day to day can actually like trigger a chemical response within our body to make you feel stressed or anxious. So really covering your health bases, which I'm sure is something you teach your clients, but really being able to recognize throughout your day, like, hey, I'm my computer, I feel a little anxious or stressed right now. And just like taking five to scan your environment and things that have happened emotionally to you. Have you gotten up and moved over the past two hours? Or have you just, just been like staring at your screen? Your body might be literally telling you through an anxiety response that you need to get up and move. So it's not always like this um, impending doom projection like fear that is causing the anxiety response sometimes it's literally just these like subtle things that our body's trying to communicate to us um, but it can obviously also be things like you know you get an email from a client that makes your blood go up or you are triggered by a family member or all of these other things and and that's really when I started diving into communication and boundaries for stress management because it's a it's not talked about a whole lot but communication or poor communication and poor boundaries are probably one of the most uh common I, I believe to be the most common factors in having like a generalized um higher stress yes oh Courtney this is so good um and you have a really great resource on your website I want people to know about um kind of about about anxiety and like these kind of things that you can yeah, kind of a checklist to go through it's like like i'm feeling anxious and i love yeah. that it's almost like step taking yourself out of it like looking at yourself from a third party perspective right. being like there's anxiety right here right what let's go through this checklist like am i hydrated and have i not gotten fresh air in five hours and um and giving yourself these i think this is so powerful these tools 
let's go into diving into boundaries. I see this a lot with, with people and I see it with myself. When I don't set clear boundaries, then I get overwhelmed. That yeah. puts me in a spiral of anxiety, stress. Therefore, I'm like, where's the sh- carbs, sugar? Right. Um, and that was my cycle for so long. And I didn't know why. I was like, why am I craving so much food at night? Right. Oh, because you haven't had a breath all day because you overextended yourself. Totally. Yeah. Or didn't express myself when I really should have, like stood up for myself in a certain way. Right. So now I'm just like unconsciously eating for, to cope, to, for comfort. Right. Right. Um, so what do you see or what have you worked with people with around boundaries? Boundaries are so fascinating because I feel the, the foundation of, um, just living like a better quality whole life, but we're so conditioned to think having strong boundaries is like, I don't know, like you're being selfish or you're not giving enough to others. Go backwards. Like when you have strong boundaries and you're able to have enough energy to give to others and everything flourishes. And it's like something I teach too, is that you actually help the other people involved because through doing it, you're teaching them how to have better boundaries too. Um, but I think something I see so much is just our expectation for uh, being busy all the time and being overly productive and almost using that as like a validation for ourselves. This is very common for business owners um, that I work with of like, they do way too much and they're scared to delegate and they just take on every single thing and say yes constantly. And while that can be a good thing for business because you do want to have you know opportunities <laughs> abundantly, Um, I think it's also so important to just be careful with your energy and where you're giving your energy and not everything deserves your energy and being comfortable with that, being super intentional with your boundaries enables you to like hyper-focus on the things that you really enjoy and that you're at. Um, And I see this lead to burnout all the time, overextend yourself, you, your body is like, it's not invincible. So some people, it takes a lot longer than others. Um, but if you're abusing your biology, whether that's with poor nutrition or alcohol, you know, going and going and going and never slowing down, it's like a matter of, of when, not if, you know? So it's really important to start thinking about um, these things as like protective mechanisms. Like you're essentially um, making it so that you don't lose time in the long run. So like when you have great boundaries around things, you're never going to be like set back by getting really burnt or having that binge happen or whatever. It's like just endurance almost in your life, you know? Yes. And do you have specific examples of like boundaries that are helpful to set, whether it's, I don't know, any, any off the top of your head? I think some of the most powerful ones are around your time. Um, and having work hours so like I say that because entrepreneurs it's like very actually turn off work like three days off over the holidays but I was still reading business books and like writing down ideas constantly but it's like you kind of you know what I mean yeah um having like set especially if you work with clients like having really strong boundaries with clients so the clients I've had that are service-based um, just life changing when they set down the law kind of, of like, I do not reply to messages, you know, after 8 PM, cause they weren't feeling that anxiety of like, oh, it's 10 PM, but my client messaged me. And if I don't respond, then they're going to 
not want me as their, you know, photographer or whatever it is. And it's fascinating because we have those boundaries. It's like, not only do you have peace, but then the other person respects your boundaries. And it's just like this beautiful exchange of energy um, that's so intentional instead of just constantly reacting to all the things. Um, and I think something that's really tough for entrepreneurs to do is to kind of have better boundaries around distractions. So I always talk about like being very disciplined with um, responding to text messages when you know your friends are texting you all day, kind of like waiting till the end of the day to get back them or um, get really afraid of disrupting their workflow. And I always say like breaks are great they're awesome, but just don't look at your phone. Don't look at Instagram during your break. Get up and get some fresh air instead. That's not going to disrupt your workflow. So having better boundaries around, I think just being more intentional with like the things that your space. Um, Yeah. Yes. And I guess on this like concept of boundaries around time, like building in time for self-care, do you have any tips around that? Totally. So I love, I'm a big fan of like small steps always um, and really building things in to feel sustainable. I think that when we like turn the table over completely, it can actually hurt you more than it helps you, you know? So the first thing I go through with my clients is learning how to be mindful in the mundane. So really simple things like when you get up and brush your teeth in the morning, this is great for moms or parents too, because they often feel like they have a lot of alone time. So really building in you know, as you do your like skincare routine, as you brush your teeth, as you make your coffee, taking five minutes to sit outside while you drink your coffee, just like tiny things like that without having um, the influences of other things kind of invading your space. So very powerful thing is to not look at your phone in the morning for at least an hour. Um, I'm super passionate about this. I talk about it all the time but I charge my phone in a different room and I don't even go grab it until um, I've been up for at least an hour. This allows you to really control the energy that you're allowing into your life. Cause as soon as you open Instagram or check your email, you're almost like assaulted with all the things happening. It sends your brain into this spiral. And so if you're able to kind of control your morning and have like mindfulness in the mundane and meditate or read or whatever lights you up and helps you control energy then it's a really beautiful way to have that spill over into your the rest of your day and just be able to respond to things instead of react which I think is is super powerful but um also just not being ashamed of self-care so like if you need to take a bath like take a bath if you're someone who literally like my boyfriend can't sit in silence then like read a book while you take a bath do something like semi-productive but just knowing the difference between numbing out and self-care can be really powerful too, because I will say that like, you know, watching Netflix has its place. It's like, I think that some humans do need to just like totally check out. Um, but most of the time you want to be doing things that help you reju- rejuvenate your energy instead of just continue to leave you in that like very low energy space, you know? Yeah. So would that be like, what's an example of something that would be more like rejuvenating versus a more kind of like numbing out? So I think like things like working out, um, reading, going for a walk, calling a family friend that you haven't talked to in a while, like connection is huge. I think, especially with this year, we've all seen the, um, 
harm of not connecting enough with others. Um, just doing things that make you feel better when you're done doing them, I think is such a great metric of like, you actually feel rejuvenated and like you have more energy instead of feeling like, man, I just watched three hours of Netflix and I feel like not doing anything still. <laughs> things that kind of kickstart your energy, but also help you feel um, like your cup's being filled. Yes. Oh, I love that. So checking in, am I actually, what actually makes me feel better after this? Totally. Cause it's so different. Like I'm not a big believer in like, you know, yeah, baths are great for everybody or meditating is great for everybody. Like find what works being open-minded about trying a lot of different things too, I think is key. Yes. Oh, I love this. And I love what you said about the phone because I very much try to practice this, but this morning I didn't, I did like my meditation before, but then I checked my phone and I knew not to. And then I did it. I felt it. I was like, why did you do this? Cause I got on Instagram and like, it just, it just totally knocked me out of alignment. And then I had to it's, get back. It is probably the number one most powerful thing that I've found for stress and anxiety, honestly, is like, and I'm not perfect. There are days where I just like temptation and check my phone and it's always wild. Cause I'm like, this literally set my whole day off into like this crazy energy. Um, another thing I love to do is taking the weekend off of social media, like once a month, I just like delete the apps for the whole weekend. And it just kind of trains you to realize like, oh, it's okay to be just like with my thoughts and present all the time, you know, like it's not everything. Yes. Oh, thanks, Courtney. I need to schedule that in once, once a month to get off the house. <laughs> um, that's so good. And then what about boundaries for people around like the people pleasing part? So I have a really hard time with this about impulsively saying yes, or really having a hard time like, having a hard conversation. That's something I'm currently becoming more hyper aware of. I'm like, right. here's the hard conversation. Go, right. go have it. <laughs> I remember I was such a yes person for like most of my life. Um, I really, I kind of describe it as like, I was an extra in other people's movie for a long time. Like I wasn't really living my truth. Um, and I just said yes constantly. I had lost sight of like anything that I liked because I was just constantly saying it to people. And it can be extremely terrifying when you start saying no, like it, feels like because I mean it's an innate human thing to want to be accepted by the group like that's probably our deepest rooted need you know and so when you have that subconscious fear of like these people are going not to not love me anymore if I don't do these things it's a very real fear I mean these feelings are super valid um and the way that I've coached people through this and the way I did it in my life was there's kind of like steps that you have to take of a really important one is to practice on people who are safe, like practice with people in your life that have good boundaries and start setting small boundaries with them. Um, and that way you kind of see the benefit before you have to like face the really difficult conversations. Cause I think going into those difficult conversations, you have to know why, like, what are you going to get back from this? You know, otherwise it's just scary. <laughs> and transparency is huge. Like I've had to even tell people that they are setting boundaries and why, when it gets really messy, because having that conversation helps people kind of come to your level and be like, oh, okay, this is why you're doing this. You're not trying to hurt me or like 
distance yourself from me. You're literally just trying to make this situation better for everybody. Um, and again, transparency and honesty can be really scary, but I like the magic kind of pill stress relief is just being vulnerable with people and being willing to have those conversations. Um, and just knowing that, you know, I'm trying to think of like, the more I set boundaries, it's so wild. It's like the more self-assured I became. And then that is almost like a magnet for other people who have good boundaries as well, you know? So it becomes easier and easier and easier because you're, you're really like st starting to just surround yourself with that energy of people who it's not even like a selfish, like put myself first kind of thing, but it's when people have good boundaries, they understand you setting boundaries. It's never an issue. So being able to surround yourself with people who have better boundaries is awesome. We can't always do that though. So yeah, just going back to the um, transparency and honesty and kind of like teaching other people like, hey, this is why I'm doing this. Do you want to get on board? Like we can do this together kind of thing. You know? Yes. Oh, I think this is so important, especially in even with like nutrition, changing your food choices. Like yeah. that can be very triggering to a lot of people. They right. pressure you to, like even my brother pressured me. Like, he always like likes when we, he likes to drink, but I'm just yeah. like, I'm, I'll drink on occasion, but I'm, like not on a random night. Like I'm not, I just right. don't, I'm not going to do that. So even still now, like over the Christmas holiday, having to hold that, but then the more right. you do it, the less they, I mean, it's so, he knows he like expects me to say no. Right. I've done it so many times. So there's like very, there's very little pushback now. So I'm just like, no, I'm good. Um, okay. So interesting too, because the less you explain and apologize, the better it goes. So like something I coach a lot is don't overly explain yourself. Like you don't owe anybody any kind of justification for what you're choosing to do and don't apologize. Obviously, like if it escalates and things are said, like there's a time and a place for an apology, but don't open the gates with like, I'm so sorry. And here's all the reasons why I need to do this. Because when you just say like, I just started saying like, no, I don't like doing that. Like if it was like, you know, going to brunch or something, I was like, you know what? I actually don't like brunch. Can I take you out to lunch another day? And then people were like, oh yeah, she doesn't like doing this. It has nothing to do with me, you know? So it's like really being able to, you know, let people know that you're not judging them or that it's not like an attack on their choices. It's just your own choices. And that is very tough with, I think food, food and alcohol are so personal that people tend to kind of like project their own, any level of insecurity that they might have around their choices. It comes very much. So this, like, I don't want to say misery loves company because that seems very negative and extreme, but it's like, you know, it's difficult to set around those things because it says so much about the people that you're around um interesting because it's such a personal choice you really shouldn't affect others but things do yes and I can I can empathize with that because I know when I was in the midst of like sugar addiction like I loved when my friends would binge with me like right. oh it right. made it like it was like validating like I'm not doing anything yeah. wrong they're doing it too right um and so I can totally. empathize now like when someone's not doing or if I'm not doing it and someone's sitting there and they're doing it I'm there's literally no judgment but I can see that it, it would feel like a judgment or like right. you're being watched or like, like right. if you're insecure about those things so right yeah totally. but um but I think it is so powerful to be able to just realize that you deserve to feel good and to release the need for other people to like to worry about how they're reacting to your choices totally yeah and 
what do you, I guess, for people who may be eating out of just like not going after their desires or just like not, yeah, not, not fulfilling their dreams as like an entrepreneur, like to really feel like they can do what they really want to do. And then they're using food kind of as a coping mechanism for that. Right. What would you advise? I think like, I mean, it just starts with this level of, I always say like radical self-honesty, because I think that such a powerful tool when you're wanting to change behavior is being able to be really self-aware of behavior that you want to change and why, and learning that just basic habit change really rooted in replacement. So like a lot of times I find that clients aren't aware of the fact that like, you can't just stop eating junk food. You have to replace the behavior with something healthier. Um, And so many times people get stuck in that cycle because they're just trying to cut it out and they're not like actively making changes to like when they're triggered doing something else and like mindfully doing that over and over and over to recreate the pathways in your brain. So I think something that's so fascinating is when you're wanting to live a new life, like that quote, that's always like, in order to pursue your new life, you have to leave your old life behind. It almost comes back to that brain pathway thing of like, you have to make those choices over and over and over in order to start living in alignment with your desires and your dreams. And it starts so tiny. Like, I think that's something that people don't really want to hear a lot of time is like, you have to start really small. You're not just going to wake up one day and be like, all right, I'm a million dollar business owner. You know, like you have to literally commit to these tiny, literal tiny things that you do every day, like not looking at your phone in the morning or, you know, writing a blog post every week or to your podcast every week or like those little things are that's moving the needle forward. Um, And I think that when you start to live in alignment with those things, you're fulfilling that void, you know, like you're using active pursuit toward your dreams as a coping mechanism. And then you stop kind of using these other things. So yeah, I think like the main thing I would say is becoming really aware of the behavior that you want to change and not forgetting to replace it with something actively and mindfully, you know? Yes. Oh, I think that's so important for people to know and practice. And as far as just generally, like if you were to give people advice on stress and anxiety, one of my last questions for you, you you kind of practice breath work and other techniques. Is there anything else that you feel like, or if you could talk to breath work that you would share with people? Yeah. Yeah, I think our breath is so powerful because um, it's an automatic system that we're able to hijack. So like we are able to take over control of this thing and regulate our nervous system through breath work and basically tell our brain like, hey, I got this. So it's so powerful in the moment because when your nervous system is like out of whack and you're feeling stressed and you can't regulate it, one of the only tools that you can literally stop and use for free anytime and basically trick your brain into being like, I have control, I've got this. Um, And it's also such a powerful tool of like, if you want more energy, there's certain breath work that you can do. If you want to calm down, there's certain breath work you can do. So um, there's some really interesting research around stress that you kind of have to learn the right response. So like calming down is not always the right response. So like if you're about to do a talk or like get up on stage or do something where you need a lot of energy, breath work that gives you energy, like alternate 
nostril breathing kind of thing is going to be so much more powerful and useful than like taking deep belly breaths and trying to lower your heart rate and like get into a calm state. So I just think it's so versatile and it's so accessible and you don't even have to like know what you're doing. You can literally just stop and take 10 deep breaths and like pay attention to how your body feels. Um, and I just think that it's, it's so overlooked because it's literally at our disposal 24 seven, you know? Yes. Oh, so anyone who's never done breath work before, would you say, I guess the, the, what would their starting point be? Um, you know, I guess like I just started Googling it, YouTube it, like try it, start playing around what feels good to you. Um, Wim Hof is great. It's like a really awesome app to just start with, but it's pretty intense. So like definitely maybe play around with YouTube first. Um, but my favorite types are just alternate nostril breathing, belly breathing. Um, and what is his method called? I have the app, but I can't remember. The Wim Hof method? Yeah. Oh, it's just the Wim Hof oh, method. Uh -huh. Totally. Um, but yeah, I can't even remember like exactly where I started um, learning about breath work. I just engulfed myself in videos and started doing it that way. So <laughs> yes, I think that's really helpful. And, and I know on, on one of your resources, it was just like, a lot of it's just take, I mean, it can be simple as like, just take 10 breaths. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, um, Courtney, where, I know you're having like this awesome mastermind program coming up. So I want to make sure we share about it. Can you oh, talk, yeah. can you speak about it for people who are interested? Yeah, totally. Thanks for bringing that up. So we start on the 11th and it's a group mastermind for business owners to kind of just get a really great handle on the structure and systems in their business, but also laying the foundations for um, a better mindset around stress and being able to kind of adapt to challenges as they come with just really solid foundation in their business. So it's a business coaching program, but I've kind of married all of the mindset work that I've done and stress and anxiety management in there with um, the business coaching. So I'm really excited for this. It's called Balanced and Bold and we're gonna start on the 11th. Yes, awesome. And where can people find you, Courtney? So I am at Courtney Peacock underscore on Instagram. And then my website is www.wearepinecone.com. Pinecone is my brand. So. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So my final question for you, if you could give one last piece of advice for anyone who is either having struggles with their, with their eating or just feeling really stressed and overwhelmed, what would that be? I think the main thing is self-compassion. Like I that, um, and it's not something that you can just like magically snap your fingers and be compassionate toward yourself, but just practicing like daily affirmations or having time with yourself and getting comfortable with that, like quiet time of just appreciating your own, um, presence and company can be really powerful. And then also just knowing that like these things don't define you. Like that was so life-changing for me when I started, when I stopped saying like, I am an anxious person. And I started saying I'm experiencing the, or like, if you stop saying I'm an person and you say like, you're experiencing unhealthy habits, you know, like kind of removing it from your idea, allowing it to define you and not labeling yourself as such, I think is really powerful. 
I love that so much. What a beautiful closing. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Courtney. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this yes. Was awesome.